So today we're starting a new sermon series in the Gospel of John. The book of John, this gospel, you know, there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, John is both really deep and really simple to read. It's a great book to recommend a brand new Christian to start in. And at the same time, it's considered the most theological and deep of the four Gospels. Uh, One person says this about the book of John, and I kind of like it. The book of John has been called a pool in which a child may wade and an elephant can swim. So you get what that's saying? In other words, the book of John is for little babies in the faith, and it's for people who are more mature in the faith. I'm really convinced, in other words, that this book, this series, is going to have something for every single one of us here. I'm going to read the first three verses of John today. I think you'll see even in these verses the simplicity of the language, but yet it's deep, deep stuff. This is God's holy and infallible word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And that's our scripture reading this morning. So, why are we reading John in Advent? Well, John 1 is John's Christmas story. It's very different from the Christmas stories we usually read, and the ones with all those details are in Matthew and in Luke especially. We don't read here about the shepherds or the angels or the wise men or the star, but we do read about Jesus, and we read that he came to earth too. John gives us a a straightforward, simple in a way, but very rich and deep description of who this Jesus is who came to the earth long ago. And as we prepare for Christmas in these upcoming weeks, we're going to ask, who is the Christ of Christmas according to John, according to John 1? And we're going to see today just one big idea today that we'll look at in various ways. We see, first of all, today, he is God. He is God. In that verse 1, you get the word, Word, capital W, three times. We're going to get into that more in a couple of Sundays, but for today, you just need to know that the Word equals Jesus Christ. You've got to go ahead to verse 14, which we didn't read to get that. But verse 14 makes it very clear. When John says the word, he means Jesus Christ. What do we learn in these verses about the word, about Christ? First of all, we learn that Christ pre-existed. He pre-existed. In the beginning was the word. So Christ existed in the beginning. In the beginning could refer to the same thing it does in Genesis 1, the beginning of creation. But this goes beyond that 
further back into eternity. And you have this in other places in the Bible talking about Jesus. Hebrews 1, you have this. And also in Revelation 1, where we read that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So Jesus, that means Jesus was always there. He had no beginning. And it's, it's kind of easy to rattle off and say, but just stop and try to contemplate that a little bit. It is absolutely mind-boggling. We cannot grasp it. He had no beginning. At creation, at the beginning of this universe and world, he was already there. He was, he was, he existed before then, back in the beginning, into eternity, Jesus was. The word was, John tells us. Second, the word, back then in eternity, was with God. Was with God. And this is, this is kind of interesting. He was with God, which is kind of subtly saying there is a distinction of sorts of the word from God. You can talk about God. You can talk about the word. And you know what this tells us? This tells us that John is aware of the Trinity. God exists in three persons. One of those three persons is the Word, Jesus. The other two are the Father and the Holy Spirit. So packed into that phrase, the Word was with God, is the profound and mysterious and deep idea of the Trinity. God in three persons. The idea of the Trinity is one of two basic truths that sets off Christianity from cults and false religions. You don't believe in the Trinity, you don't have the Christian faith anymore. We don't believe in three gods, but one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Word was with God. The Word, Jesus, is a person of the Trinity. And this person, thirdly, the Word, was fully divine. The Word was God. This is probably the clearest and most direct declaration anywhere in Scripture of the deity of Jesus. One of the most profound, incredible, far-reaching of all doctrines delivered here in John with the very simplest of language and words. There's a, a great preacher named John Piper who says, it could not get any simpler. It could not get any weightier. At Christmas, we worship Jesus Christ, who was and is nothing less than God himself. And that actually is the second great truth that sets our faith, the Christian faith, off from cults and other faiths. That Jesus is God. If you deny this, you don't have the Christian faith anymore. Jehovah's Witnesses will come to your door like they did mine two Saturdays ago again and, and say the real translation in John 1 is that the word was a God, little g, or the word was divine. But that's not what it says. The word was God. Thomas Jefferson went against most of our founding fathers, and he also sadly denied that Jesus is God. 
And he actually rewrote the Bible. There's a Bible out there called the Jefferson Bible. And he wrote it to take out any reference that might suggest Jesus was God, along with any idea of miracles or anything supernatural. Thankfully, most of our founding fathers didn't go that way. But Thomas Jefferson did. But we've got it right here. The word Jesus Christ was God. That means that everything that can be said about God the Father can be said about Christ, who is God the Son. Like verse 3, that all things were made through him. God created all things. Well, that means the Son, Christ, is creator too. A group of people named the Arians in the early church used the language of Christ being the firstborn of creation to say how important they thought Jesus was, but they said that meant Jesus is so important that he was the first most important being thing that God created. And then everything else was made through him. But these verses tell us that's not good enough. That does not elevate him to the position that John gives us here. What John says in verse 3 makes that idea impossible. He says, without him, nothing was made that has been made. Anything and everything in the category of made, created, happened through Jesus. And that puts him in the category of being fully God. Not even a tiny bit less than God. Who is the Christ of Christmas according to John? Well, he is God, the Bible tells us. But what does that matter that Jesus is God, do you think? What, what does that mean for you and me? I have a few thoughts I want to share with you. First, because Jesus is God, we can know the truth about God. We can know what God is like. And some people think you can't presume to know God, that it's all kind of a complete mystery, whether God is out there and if he is out there, they say, well, there's really no way to know him or to know what he might be like, let alone have a relationship with him. We're just people. And they say, some people, the supernatural realm, how we got here, consciousness arising in humans, life, it's all a big mystery. They say, there might be some being out there, I suppose, but we can never really know. But that is wrong because Jesus is God. Because Jesus is God and he came to this earth and the gospel writers tell us about him, we can know God. We can know God through Jesus, through his word. And people in this world need to know that. Later on in the Gospel of John, it's in John 14, Philip, one of the disciples, said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. That was a very sad thing to say. Philip had been hanging around Jesus for a while. Jesus, in verse 9 of chapter 14, I think was a little sad. He says, don't you know me, Philip? 
And he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How in the world can you say, show us the Father? And people sadly miss God too. But the fact is, you can know God, the creator of the universe and father of us all, because Jesus came. And the other side of this is also true. Apart from Jesus Christ, we cannot truly know God. But if you want to know what God is like, study the life of Jesus. Read the Bible. And when you do that, when you read these things, the Holy Spirit of God, that third person of the Trinity, will interpret and explain them to you. And you will know God himself. Second, because Christ is God, he and God are one. They're one. What am I getting at here? I'm getting at here the idea that sometimes people think of God in a really certain way, and they think of Jesus in a really certain way, and they're different from each other. People think of God as holy and just and stern and avenging, and then they have this idea of Jesus who's friendly and warm and loving. So there's this difference between how God and Jesus look toward people. God is sometimes the bad guy, and Jesus is the good guy. They act like Jesus changed God's smoldering anger into love by coming to earth, but that's not quite what the New Testament says. The Bible doesn't talk about an angry, mean God, and then a loving Jesus who makes him happy. Jesus and the Father are of the same essence and mind and will because each is a person of the Godhead along with the Holy Spirit. Does God hate sin? Yes, he hates sin. And so does Jesus. Does Jesus lovingly provide the solution to sin? Yes. And it was God's idea all along. God in love sent Jesus the Son. John tells us a little later in chapter 3, God so loved the world. God loves us so much that back in eternity, in somewhere in that in the beginning, before creation, he planned the way he would save human beings through the Son with the Holy Spirit. God is one in his purpose and will to save people living in darkness. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all together in this purpose and mission, one. Third, because Christ is God, he is able to accomplish this purpose and mission. He's able to save us. Christ is the one and only acceptable sacrifice for the sin of men and women. Because he was God and perfect, he could pay the price of sin. Unlike any of us, unlike any other being in the universe who are less than God, because no one else could bear as well-intentioned as we might be. I'm going to save everybody. I'm going to give up my life. No, no one else could bear that infinite punishment that sin caused. But God could bear that, and Jesus is God. And that, of course, was the point of his coming at Christmas, to save us. A final thought. 
because Christ is God, he has infinite resources at his disposal to fulfill any need you will ever have. God is infinite. That's one of the ways in which we could talk about his attributes, his characteristics, who he is. He is infinite. He's infinite in time. That's how he can go all the way back to in the beginning and beyond. He's infinite in everything. He's infinite in love and power. And because Jesus is God, he has all of the same attributes of God, including infinity. That means that this one who came at Christmas, Christ, has more than enough power and love and comfort and strength, whatever you need, to completely satisfy you, to completely fill you, to give you whatever it is you need. Salvation, maybe it's salvation today, forgiveness, a clean slate, strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. The Christ of Christmas can satisfy you out of his infinite resources for people because he is God. Let us as God's people rejoice and be glad that Jesus is God. He is our maker our Savior, our God. May you acknowledge Jesus as true God in your life. May we do it in our church. Let's give God all the glory he deserves, elevating our Lord and our God, Jesus Christ, as high as he deserves this Christmas season in our prayers, in our conversations with him, in our worship together in our families, in our living.